We are having a conversation with Anuj Gupta who is a head of machine learning at Wuhan. Before joining Wuhan, he worked in AI team at Intuit and he was also a director of machine learning at Huawei Technologies. Anuj has given talks in various conferences such as PyData and he is an author of a, an NLP book called Practical Nature Language Processing. The book has completed one year and it has been recommended by based in academia and industry both. During this conversation, we are going to cover various topics uh, right from uh, what uh, managers look for in AI engineers and what are some of the practical tips you can use to be successful in AI projects. We'll talk about some of the NLP specific things as well, just such as GPT-3, BERT, etc. And Anuj is going to give you a very, very practical advice if you have any plans of starting a business or you know if you have any startup ideas in the AI space. And we'll discuss some of the startup ideas as well uh, towards the end of this video. So I hope you'll find this conversation useful. Let's get started. Uh, so Anuj, thank you very much for spending time today for this conversation. It's, it's always a pleasure to have uh, and, and by the way, you're doing fantastic work. I've heard a lot about your channel and its popularity. So great work. All right, great. So I have been interviewing data scientists and engineers so far, but I think you are the first one who are at little higher level. You are heading the ML department, you are involved both in technology and business side of it. So I'm hoping that people will find this conversation very useful. We'll be covering the questions which are asked by people uh, on my YouTube community post today. And then we'll also go over uh, your background. So let, let's start with that. So what do you do at Wahan at present? So we at Wahan are helping uh, organizations hire gig, gig gig economy workers at scale and at velocity, right? Mm -hmm. So imagine a large e-commerce organization or a large food food organization, which, which wants to hire, say, 15,000 delivery partners or a large BPO wanting to hire 20,000 customer support. So how do help organizations hire blue collar workers at scale and at velocity? And we are using data and tech to enable all of this and make it much more seamless and faster. Got it, got it. Uh, and now you have written this book as well. So we'll link the your book in the video description below. This book was mentioned by one of the prominent, uh, you know, person who is at Facebook AI. And we're going to put his Twitter link as well. Uh, so now you are writing a book. So you're kind of into research and writing book. And you're also into running a business. So how do you balance both both of these things? I'm just curious. Uh, if, to be honest, writing a book has been quite a journey. Uh, this book almost took three years, uh, four people across different geographies. Uh, balancing is hard, but yeah, I think once you are committed, you can't go back. Mm -hmm. uh, so somehow managed to skip script, script through. Got it. Got it. No, that book has been highly recommended and I'm going to order it myself and I'm going to give it a read. So thanks for writing the book. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you for the kind word. All right. Great. So we can start with the questions uh, now. Uh, so Secretary Bardwaj is asking, uh, she would like to know what is the role of AI engineer in real time work environment? Sure. So Again, right, AI engineer is a very broad term, right? Different organizations tend to use it differently. So in some organizations, AI engineer would typically be kind of a data engineer writing the pipelines, productionizing the models, helping to maintain those models. While in certain other organizations, it could mean somebody who is actively developing models on a day-to-day -day basis. Right. So that's a broad spectrum. Again, depending on if you have any specific organization in mind, you should go back and check mm. what other people of similar profile are doing. I see. I I'm also seeing this, that uh, this whole AI ML data science field is very, very new. So different companies have different, uh, you know, different definitions of 
AIM engineer, ML engineer. Uh, data scientists are a little different. They're more into building POCs and stuff like that. They are, they are more like, I think, statistics and model building heavy, whereas the machine learning engineers are, they're good in ML, but they are very good software engineers as well. Like, you, you agree with that statement? Yes, I think, to be honest, designation is also some kind of a pitch that an organization makes to you. Mm. And nowadays, organizations are willing to give, if I can say, jazzy titles <laughs> to, to attract better talent. Again, right, different organizations have different meaning. So it all depends. Data scientists are typically seen as people who are dealing with numerical data. Mm. While ML engineers or AI engineers are often thought to be working across data types. I would say numerical, text, video, images, mm. all kinds, right? But again, right, there is no hard and fast definition of this. Like you said, different organizations across the globe do it differently. Yeah. So I think the best is to, if you have something specific in mind, go and check how that organization, I think Google still doesn't use that definition. They still called as software researchers and software engineers. I think they have it very simplified. Well, I think Google, uh, sorry, Amazon, Facebook, and others have a more dedicated hierarchy for machine learning teams. Oh, okay. Okay. I wasn't aware about that. I see. So at yeah, Vahan... I think Google, yeah, Google still has only research engineers and software engineers. It's as simple as that. I see. So at Vahan, the team that you're leading, uh, I mean, if you can feel comfortable sharing, at least uh, in terms of tech stack, like what do you guys use uh, in your organization? Okay, so I think before coming to the tech stack, if I can take a minute, right? Hmm. Where exactly are we using AI, right? So, low, hmm. so like I said, the primary value prop that we bring to our clients is help them hire large workforce at scale and velocity. Hmm. And what does that mean, right? Imagine tomorrow you are hiring a delivery partner. So mm. what are some of the key requirements, right? These people should often have bikes, should should have a driving license, should should have studied at least maybe to schooling, if high schooling, and even if not college. Right? Now, if you have to do screening at scale, what does this mean? This means you have built systems that will ask them to upload certain documents and then you can vet those documents, understand are these legitimate documents, are these genuine or not, are these still valid or not, right? Mm. Uh, similarly, if you want to hire BPO workforce, uh, right, then it is necessary that these people be proficient in certain skills, like mm. they should be able to speak English, fluent in English, right? Mm. They should be able to be calm even in a crisis situation when somebody is maybe abusing you also and all that stuff, right? Mm. So what necessarily, if you have to hire them at scale, what does it mean? Ability to have systems which can look at their voice notes and voice samples and they're speaking live and then you can make judgment from there. Okay, how good are they, they in English? How mm. good are they in pronunciation? Is their voice soothing enough? Right. If you can run certain tests where they are put in stress, do they necessarily break down in some, mm. some aspect of their behavior? Mm. So these are various uh, aspects that we have built into our product, whereby we can screen candidates using data and technology. Right. And me and my team at Wahan largely owns all these machine learning systems that can look at a particular facet or, mm -hmm. and match it appropriately with the necessary requirements of the job. Mm -hmm. I see. And do you use like statistical machine learning or deep learning, NLP, like in those, like which, which are the areas do you use? So coming to the tech stack, right? I think we are using all of this today, right? It's, it's more of horses for courses for us. Mm -hmm. uh, we do not like, at least in our team, we are, we do not favor one over the other. Nothing mm. like deep learning is better. Mm. Here is a problem. We need to solve the problem, understand mm. it well, and then look at what is the most appropriate line of attack you need to take in order to mm. solve this problem. Mm. 
so for example how do you reach out or how can millions of people in india reach out to us mm-hmm. so what we have is a system where we have a number mm. you can come on that number say a hi on whatsapp and we have a bot system that will kick in and start mm. conversing with you mm. to try and understand okay what are your needs and the bot system is designed keeping our users in mind which are typically high school uh, pass outs Mm. Uh, right not a, a lot of them are not even college graduates so they don't mm. necessarily type in english they type mm. in english code mm. mix language lot of emojis and stuff like that right how do you make sense of a conversation which is not necessarily english right so that's where we have used extensive amount of nlp like i said earlier uh, in order to screen documents we have used lot of computer vision in mm. order to screen uh, candidates for bpo we have used lot of stuff around speech tech mm. uh, similarly to understand you better we have the capability to analyze your video mm. and understand you better before we start sharing leads with our uh, clients i see so this has nlp this has statistical modeling this has computer vision mm. this has speech all those facets are used got it okay we can move on to the next question uh, sarath uh, 30 konda is asking uh what kind of project you expect from fresher and how to find good pros data science projects so looks like th- this is the question that comes to me often from my viewers where there is a college pass out you know the person is just a fresh graduate now when he or she goes uh, to looking for an ai job let's say a job for ml engineer or data scientist uh, they need to have a good project for portfolio so let's say if you are screening such a resume like what do you look for in the mm-hmm. projects there are two parts to this aval uh, one of the things is also that industry as of today doesn't necessarily prefer freshers mm-hmm. and maybe that's something we can come later in our conversation as to why it is that okay or should we take that now to set up the context for the question that have been asked specifically i think we can yeah we can take that up right now okay so see as of to, like machine learning is a very broad spectrum there are multiple tools and techniques right the most popular one if you look at the popular media articles is deep learning mm. and especially if you read stuff coming from the googles and the facebooks and the apples and the amazon right they they use but we also need to understand that deep deep learning models by very nature are data guzzlers mm. and lot of organizations don't necessarily have the data to solve for these or to be fed to these models mm. so you, you are not going to be or you are seldom going to be in a setting unless you largely working at these top 10 fangs if i mm. can say right that's that uh that you will get a well defined problem you will have a data set setting where you have to just come and the whole quest is to get a better model mm. in most cases in 95% of the jobs if i if i can broadly speak what i have seen from my experience what you will get is a problem statement from business mm. and the quest starts from there one define the problem statement more concretely right business will give a very vague problem statement in most of the cases mm-hmm. to understand is it even a machine learning problem or not <laughs> right just because they are giving a problem to the machine learning team doesn't necessarily mean that it's a machine learning problem mm-hmm. lot of times even using engineering solutions it can be solved and solved very quickly and and better third Thanks. okay let us suppose this is a this is a machine learning problem right you need to define it more concretely let us suppose i say okay here is a uh, 10000 tweets that have been uh, put on our twitter channel talking about our brand or a specific product i want to understand what is user talking about it mm. right now this is a problem statement that one comes across often right here is a data set of text coming from various sources and i want to understand what is the larger things being talked about especially if it's a product review 
Now, how do you define such a problem even concretely? You would have to literally sit down, take one example by one example, manually come up with what is the expected solution for it. And you'll have to do iteration sitting with the business team. Mm. If this is a tweet, what is that you would love to see? Mm. If this is that, and this is something I have not seen in most, most organizations, right? But otherwise there is no way to define what is the exact expectation. You don't want to be going about solving the whole thing. And then the other person saying, no, no, I was hoping of this, right? Mm -hmm. Then understand whatever is their, their expectation. Is it even real realistic or not? Maybe the terms that they expect in the answer are not even there in those, in the corresponding tweet. Mm. So then what are they looking for? Right. Mm. Mm. Or are they looking at in a more holistic way? Right? That is what I meant by defining the problem more concretely. Mm. Then going back, understanding the feasibility of it and understanding the timelines and mm. most importantly, setting the right metrics to track the performance. Mm. And when I say right metrics, I mean business metrics, right? No machine learning model is going to give you hundred percent solution, right? They mm. are going to make mistakes. All of that is going to happen. What is, if business wants to do ABC, mm. what is that they eventually want to gain out of it? Maybe mm. they want to improve in this particular example sentiment of the customer about a particular brand mm. that the organization owns, right? So that is your metric and you need to first sit work to create a pipeline. Let us suppose, even if I make a human do this, right? Coming up with the answer, how will you measure the impact of it? Mm. I have not even come to the ML metrics, right? Mm. How will you measure that users? sentiment about your particular product is increasing or decreasing or varying whatever over mm. a period of time. Mm. Once, once you have done it, then comes to, okay, do we have the data for it? Mm. How much is the data? Mm. What is the quality of the data? Mm. Is it going to be large amount of data, noisy, small amount of data, very clean mix, both again, depends on where where you are in what setting or you have no data. Mm. Maybe, maybe that's very much possible. So mm. then how do you bring data? How do you build the first version? Mm. Can you quickly build out something in three to four weeks, mm. put it in production, mm. start measuring. And when I say put it in production, going through the entire life cycle of building <laughs> a model, coming up with the relevant ML metrics. Yes. Right. And then put it in production. Maybe you don't show the end output to the user for now, but at least get the model to consume production data in a live environment and track internally carefully. Hmm. Sit with the business, understand is it working for them or not, hmm. right? You need to make them understand that the ROI is not hmm. going to be dramatic, hmm. right? Can you come up, understand external constraints? Uh, can you build a killer large deep learning model for which to put into production? You'll have to put on a couple of GPUs mm -hmm. and that's going to have its own cost. Mm -hmm. uh, do you have the pockets? And when I say you as in the entire, all the stakeholders involved in it, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe this is a side gig project that they thought can be done under a couple of cents. Mm. You are talking of putting on a P that I need four P hundreds on a daily basis, 24 cross seven. <laughs> that, that is, that is not going to work out. So you need to understand this entire spectrum. Yes. And then keep iterating. Mm. Then understand, okay, there are certain nuances. Business is not happy with certain aspects. They are expecting hundred percent accuracy. You need to tell them very clearly make them understand mm. that it's never going to happen. No matter who you bring mm. from 90, you can go to 94 from there, maybe 95 from there, maybe 95.5 mm. uh, and the time cycles will only go from weeks to maybe months mm. and the gains will start to taper up. Uh, all of this, if you think carefully, I have spent least amount of time in my entire description on model building. 
Exactly. That's what I'm realizing. Many people ask me this question that as a as a data scientist, I am a data science pursuant, and I what kind of skills I should focus on? And I always say that there are two type of skills: core skills and tool skills. So your core skills are business understanding, analytical thinking, communication. These are like the soft skills that you need to talk to your point to talk to business understand. You need to talk to business, basically understand what are the pain points, things like that. And these core skills are surrounded by tool skills, which could be Python, machine, whatever, TensorFlow, whatever. You know your your tools. Yeah. But you are handicapped. Like you, you cannot use those tools unless you have a solid core skill or solid understanding of what your business wants. Right. I completely agree, and I think double to add to it, I would say, in my opinion, eighty percent of it, if I mean, eighty percent of your time and energy would typically go in understanding the problem, defining the problem, and building a data set for it, mm. and defining the right metrics and building the pipelines to track the metrics. I'm mm. not talking of model in production and all the ML ops around it. No, mm. just to track the whatever are the right metrics for it, and I'm talking of the business metrics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and i think everything else cleaning the data building a model building a better model putting it in, in production mm. ml ops uh, around it is in my opinion not more than 20% <laughs> this and is this i'm talking of a a typical cycle in a typical organization yeah this is an extremely useful conversation already i think people who are watching this they need to understand that the mistake that they are doing is they are spending majority of the time learning tensorflow learning pandas you know doing n number of projects but i think what you mentioned is like 80% is understanding business collecting data things like that so those are the skills that people need to build if they are they are serious about you know pursuing their career in data science and ml uh so we'll move on to the next question which is asked by mohammed Zira Khan uh, he wants to know the pathway to build effective and robust models i don't know if this is a vague question but i will leave it up to you to answer this i think by robust i would mean that which can do well on majority of the data points in mm. production right mm-hmm. i mean if that a fair assumption double to make yes one your models will be as good as your training data mm. and if your training data is going to be very different from your test data mm. uh you you can go far only so much now <laughs> how do you handle such things either keep retraining your models often enough on mm. the production data uh maybe build complex secondary systems like okay now there is a drift in my data Mm. so the distribution that were there in the training data and the test data so far were very close but for whatever reason the distribution in the test data now are different from the distribution that were there in the training data mm. and because there is a drift that has been detected i need to do something mm. either train a fresh model bring it in and how do i automate all of this mm. because you cannot manually again depends on the problem statement but in many of the cases you cannot manually go train a model test it and then put it in production so by the time you do that the data would have moved further hmm uh right there would have been a greater drift uh and i think one of the best examples of this is take data from twitter hmm. and see how it vocabulary changes after every 3 to 6 months Mm. I mean, there's something that we did in one of the projects that we were working, mm. where we took data across years, mm. and we saw that the uh, Twitter has a very evolving vocabulary, uh-huh. and this changes three to six months. It keeps changing over a period of time. Mm. Right. That means you need to have something whereby you will have to change your models or retrain them or figure out a way to handle this diff because it's going to come after every three to six months. Mm. and if i remember correctly we saw 35% of it changes after every 6 6 months so it's a continuous change but after 6 months 35% of the vocabulary will not overlap between first 6 6 months of the year and the next 6 6 months of the year wow that's a huge change yes that's a huge change 
So Twitter, I think, is a language that's continuously. <laughs> I know all these leaders, right? Like there was no Dogecoin, there was no Jeff Bezos going to space, and there is no term like Doge Father, and all these things come up. So then, yeah, absolutely. To handle that drift, you talked about. I think ML op tools such as ML Flow, Q Flow. I think that space is also new. So these tools are also evolving. Uh, so do you have any thoughts, or do you personally use any of such tools to kind of automate the whole thing, or do you build your own custom tools? I think these tools are extremely great, but they you you also need to realize that. Are these uh, vitamins for you, or are these painkillers for you? Mm-hmm. Uh, in in many cases, especially if you are early stage organizations into AI, I don't necessarily mean early stage startup, right? Mm. Early stage organizations into AI, these will often be vitamins for you. I think being able to build data sets, being able to put out models, being able to put it in production, get the ROIs for the models. a more important thing and many a times you do quick and dirty ways mm-hmm. of building these secondary systems for yourself got it all right it's only when you are in a little more stable position that you start to bring this additional tool belt which is extremely extremely helpful mm. but then it requires its own learning curve and those aspects got it All right, Vivek Singh is asking. He has seen few big companies investing and hiring AI developers without any solid roadmap. I understand the fact AI is the way forward, but unnecessarily putting AI in everything is just a show off. So, do you have any thoughts on that? See, uh, <laughs> I interestingly, I think I have written about this in the book itself. Like, see, AI today is the new tech, and if somebody is not talking about it, then yes. to be honest. they are even looked down upon <laughs> exactly and depending on the organization some organizations will then use it as a varnish i would say hmm. where the only idea is to you have a core product which you're doing fairly well without ai but you will put an ai so that it will shine hmm. and you can drive sales and other aspects of pr hmm. across various stakeholders hmm. then there are others who would put it as a Fundamental DNA itself. Hmm. If AI is not there, then the very core value proposition goes away. Fundamentally, hmm. I would say these are the two extreme uh, of the spectrum, and then there are many who are in between. Uh, coming to the point as to why organizations are then doing lot of organizations in the first category typically do to drive sales and PR, and also I think FOMO. Hmm. uh right because they see oh my competitor is doing this and hmm. these are often articles they will read in popular media <laughs> exactly uh, uh, the people who do this is a pr play people who don't know fomo it's like a fear of missing out just just clarifying yeah, yeah. but yeah go ahead uh so then they would see okay my competitor is doing it what are we doing about it not necessarily doing that <laughs> knowing that are they really baking AI into products, thinking from first principles, and really creating those may not be killer features, right? These mm. are not necessarily, I would say. Uh, mm. I mean, what what in a in a military term would call as a fighter jet that can go and bombard large, right? Mm. These could be as small as a Swiss knife, mm. but it does a small job very beautifully and. I think one of the best examples that I have seen of this is, if you go to Google Slides, mm. right? We mm. all use sometimes special symbols while we are preparing our text. Mm. Now, right? Think of the alpha, beta, gamma, right? All those special symbols. Mm. Now, if you think carefully, how many of the names of a special symbol do you remember? I typically am not able to go beyond alpha, beta, gamma, delta, and all. Right? Yes. So standard. So there are hundreds and hundreds of special symbols, mm. but you always remember how does that special symbol look like. Mm. So you don't know the name of it, but you know what pattern, right? How to write it. Mm. Now imagine you have to search a special symbol. Mm. 
if i put a text box mm. it's going to limit the whole thing because mm. in order to search from a text perspective you need to know the name yes. the very problem here is most people are not able to recall the names of so many of these thousands of special symbols mm. what google instead did is they gave a, a small drop ad over there mm. so you draw what you think the symbol looks like out of your memory mm. and they will match it to the closest actual symbol ah uh-huh. i didn't know about that feature i should start using it and this is awesome and to me this is a great example of somebody who thought of a problem very carefully uh-huh. and if you spend more time on of you'll realize that engineering cannot solve this problem i think they have used the concept of draw to vec over there mm-hmm. right? there's this concept where you can draw anything and then it takes the more uh, firm shape of this Mm. Uh, right they have used that idea to power this this particular search mm-hmm. now here is a whoever was this person i don't know but he really thought through understood the problem and understood the fact that you cannot solve using mm. search a traditional search you need a special kind of a search and mm. ai can power this kind of a search mm. right another example is which is common in e-commerce nowadays but when it came i really found it good right i mm. went to a party saw someone wearing a dress or mm. some object i mm. have no ideas of it but i really like it mm. can i click a photo of it and then search you know e-commerce portal of my choice whatever it is mm. that particular object because mm. i really like it so maybe i saw somebody wearing a very good shirt mm. <laughs> and can i click a photo of it and i also can buy a similar shirt right no matter what you do uh, engineering way cannot solve this problem because the traditional ways are you need to enter text and you need to know the text you, you don't you don't have a clue about it all you know is what it looks like and that is where computer vision can help you right so these are examples that i am saying that teams need to think very carefully uh. and it's not about building one big large feature mm. many a time lot of these small features is what really brings power Mm. to your central value proposition got it that's amazing actually you just gave me a very good startup idea <laughs> good okay don't don't forget my sweat sweat equity in that <laughs> yes uh, well i'll need you i i cannot do that project without you sure <laughs> great uh The next question is from Simply Sumanth. He's asking: Do startups really use bigger models like GPT two or three, or do they just use BERT in production? See, they don't use it unless that's the only way forward. Mm. So the way, let us suppose they are particular work working on a problem, mm. they would start with simpler models, mm-hmm. and there are multiple reasons for it. One is: Do they have enough data to fine tune and train on GPT? Mm. right does their data have certain nuances that a gpt cannot handle and mm. i'll give you an example right where we experimented using bert on our text data mm. uh what i spoke earlier of building uh, bot system for people who can interact and find jobs right mm-hmm. now what we found is these people like i said earlier don't type the standard english mm. there are a lot of typos code mixing and all that so what what the model has to do deal with is a noisy text mm. now if you go ahead and fine tune bert on noisy text and this is this is a paper we published last year bert actually does very badly oh so we have shown that if you take standard data sets and standard tasks like text classification name name entity recognition and a couple of others if your data have noisy text mm. right but the mm. the bird if trained on this massive clean data mm. it it will break mm. the second part is deploying a gpt has its own cost in terms of the infra mm. right now can the company really afford it again depending on the value prop if you are building a feature whose whole roi is 2 dollars or maybe 10 dollars <laughs> no right but it if that is your core value proposition and your clients are willing to pay 1500 2000 dollars for it maybe yes mm. and the third part is also 
think of this carefully right if you have to kill a mosquito would you bring a fight fighter jet no right <laughs> that's a excellent example if a simple thing does the job get it done right hmm. so my recommendation is most of the freshers and this is going back to the question that couple of folks asked don't get fixated by a particular tech i would say both in terms of platform hmm. as well as in terms of line, line of attack as in deep learning machine learning statistical mm. learning rule based systems mm. uh, all of that right mm. Mm. think of the problem from first principles and see what is there if you have to eat soup you need a spoon mm. if you are eating fruits you need a fork right if you have to apply a butter you need a knife mm. so choose the right line of attack for the right problem that's a very good example and I... most more freshers tend to do this mistake that when we give them a problem to solve they would most probably straight away pick a sota model and apply it <laughs> without thinking what is going on if you have 1500 data points to train on how can you bring a bird or a gpt mm. many times or i say like many times i say like if regular expression can solve your problem then that is the best don't don't think about absolutely, machine learning absolutely <laughs> there is nothing it's going to give you 100% correctness it is easy to maintain you can build it very quickly you can maintain it easily all of that is very much possible Got and it. as a matter of fact there will i mean this is what we have also brought in our book right um, mm. uh, and maybe i'll talk maybe towards the end of it uh, or or should i spend you can yeah yeah sure sure go ahead the book is actually about similar experiences of how machine mm. learning is done in mm. industry so it's basically a view from trenches and hence the and name practical right you read the book your book has a name right. practical so that's aspect, yeah so what you typically have in market are these amazing books like martin zarafsky's uh, which are like uh, holy grails in text text textbooks mm. on the other hand you have what what i would say as glorified documentation saying that doing nlp with x mm. right mm. one teaches you fundamentals which is very important right you can't do nlp if you have if you haven't spent time with martin zarafsky mm. the other is if you are applying Say TensorFlow or uh, or any other platform, right? PyTorch mm. or any of them, then you will get stuck in certain syntax errors. How to handle certain things? That is where that is also important, extremely mm. important. Mm. But neither of them are gonna help you solving of the entire cycle that I spoke earlier, mm. right? How do you set up the right metrics? How do you collect data? Mm. Uh, how do you do nlp or computer vision when you have no data start thinking from that viewpoint mm. and that is what the book talks of how do you do text classification when you have no data mm. when you have little data mm. when you have slightly more data when mm. you have lots of data mm. right how do you do ner mm. again with similar things right mm. no data little data more and so how mm. do you do machine translation Hmm. how do you do how do you build nlp system then healthcare how hmm. do you build nlp system then in a practical setting where you would be given a vague problem to start with hmm. you would be given more probably a laptop with 16 gb of ram and then might and then somebody might come and say hey boy show me what magic you can do <laughs> i think that's what so happens that's the expectation of the ai That's a typical expectation. AI is treated as a magic wand. Yes, <laughs> amazing. Yeah, I'm I'm loving your your the way you are explaining things already. So in the interest of time, I'm going to skip a few questions and I let let's cover one last question, which is if if a lot of people will be watching this video and many of them are uh, entrepreneur entrepreneurs having the entrepreneur spirit. So if they want to build a startup in ML AI space. uh can you give some of the ideas i think you already discussed the idea about like searching e-commerce website with a picture but other than that do you have any do you see bigger trends coming in like do you see like what kind of 
startup you see coming up in less than next five years? I think there are a lot of spaces, Thawal, uh, which mm. will be transformed. People are already working on it, right? Uh, like in drug dis, and some of these are very niche, like drug discovery. Mm. For a pharmaceutical company, it's not possible to go ahead and test every possible molecule because that increases the entire life 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 cycle of the necessary drug they are in pursuit. And and mm. Corona has shown that unlike earlier, where we used to typically they used to have five to ten year cycle before a drug would come to the market. Here is the need for something to ship out in one year. I I don't think so ever in the history of pharmaceutical. I am not an expert, so pardon me over there if I'm wrong. But something was shipped to the market and given to such large populations within a year and a half. Mm. Right. So people are looking at how machine learning can be used to synthetically create and test and eliminate large possibilities, which need not necessarily lead you to an answer. Mm. Right. Similarly. If you look at the entire world of advertisement, mm. right? People make these short videos, which are which then tend to go viral. Mm. Now, often if a large organization has to make this work, they'll have to shoot it in multiple languages. Mm. Maybe sometimes even change the script a little to bring some local phenomena mm. to be able to relate to to the users of that particular geography well. Mm. How do you hmm. do this? Can machine learning do this? And there are already couple of organizations which are pursuing these ideas too, right? We have GANs which can now synthetically generate uh, videos, right? Hmm. This whole fake video we all have seen the popular video of Obama hmm. talking of thing which he has he everyone knows has not talked of, right? Can hmm. you use that hmm. to create? I will give you a script as an input. Mm. I will give you a base video. Mm. Now, can you generate mm. multiple videos of it in different languages, where mm. we actually shot only one video of it? This is, you know, this could be very useful to me because I have Hindi channel and English channel. So right now, what I do is I record a. Uh, let's say I did a video on TensorFlow data pipeline. I would record it in Hindi sure. first, then English. It's like. You know, twice the time, but I think this can help yeah, me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Only thing double I think is as of today, this works typically for short videos. Hmm. Maybe I don't know exactly, but I think two to five minutes, not more than that. Max. Yeah, I understand. So I, I'm talking more about future. You know, maybe I yeah. think next, maybe few years. Five years from now, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that would be amazing. Like yeah. me speaking Another in Chinese. Is, <laughs> absolutely, that would be great, right? And. Look at how much power it's gonna add, right? Suddenly, you can now reach out to every possible language in the world. Yeah, exactly. And that's a massive user base, right? And, and one so, thing I can think about is Anuj, and sorry uh, to interrupt, but let's say if I visit China, I don't know Chinese language. Maybe I can have some wearable device where I talk in English, and the device will translate it in Chinese and. To other person, it will you know it will appear as if I'm speaking in Chinese. Maybe those kind so those, of things will come. Those kind of devices are already there in the market. So mm. uh, I I was I was in California a couple of years ago, and I was just crawling in the market where I saw such a device, mm. whereby it is primarily meant to target travelers mm. across the globe. Mm. Nowadays, tourism is Global, mm. so that anybody can go to any country, talk whatever they want. Mm. This device will repeat the same thing in the language, and play it to the other person, who will then answer, mm. and then it will translate back back for you. Mm. So this is already there, and whatever little five ten minutes I spent with the device in the shop, mm. it was working fairly well. I think there are a couple of apps also now already out there for this. I see. But it will be. I think maybe you speak and then it translate. Maybe, but I think what I'm thinking is maybe uh, these devices will get better. So it will be more like as if you are doing a real time conversation. You know, it will probably get better and better in terms of uh, the speed at which it translates. So definitely, I think AI and ML is going to transform so many industries. Next five years, the boom has already started, and next five years is going to be very very interesting. 
All right. Great. So it was a nice conversation. I feel like I learned a lot and I'm going to definitely check out your book because I'm the kind of guy I'm, I'm more interested in the practical application, you know, like technology is one thing, but my interest has always been, okay, how can this technology solve this X problem? So I will definitely check out your book. I will provide all the useful links that we mentioned during the conversation in the video description below. Do you have any final closing remarks? No, I think just going to the question that earlier asked, right? What should freshers do? Mm. I see a lot of CVs coming in whereby they said we have built model on an Iris data set, we have built model on a Titanic <laughs> data set, which I think are two of the most popular data sets on Kaggle, mm. which is great, guys. I mean, absolutely. But understand that the like I said earlier, the primary battle the primary problem to solve in industry is not building the model. Mm. It is everything other than that. <laughs> so take a problem and assume you want to build a name entity recognition system, let us suppose, that can identify every possible, say, organization, right? Imagine that is the project. How would you do this if you have no data? Mm. And think end to end, right? Not just focus on building, right? How would you define the problem statement? Is it even a machine learning? If, if yes, what kind of a data? How would you collect? How would you clean? How would you get it labeled? And how would you get it done? All of this, if you have literally zero or no budget or little mm. budgets. Mm. And, you, and, and the expectation of is that you'll be able to build something in next three to four weeks and ship it out. Mm. So start thinking from that line and go deep in a project rather than trying to do a lot of different projects, I would say. Mm. Right? Because in my humble opinion, the true innovation in industry, what I'm saying, it does not apply to graduate students. That's a completely different word. Mm. When it comes to industry, especially if your organization is not something that has been doing machine learning for five, for last five to ten years. How would you solve a machine learning problem like a hacker and mm. end to end, mm. right? Treat it like a hackathon. Mm. I need to do this in two days. It's okay if it's a dirty solution. Mm. It doesn't give you 96% accuracy. Don't worry about it. Right? Mm. How would you collect data? How would you clean it? How would you get it labeled? How would you collect a label data? Is there an innovative way? via which you can collect label data itself in the first first place mm. rather than getting it, collecting it and then sending it to some team or sitting yourself and doing labeling mm. or can, can you use a weak supervision whereby you set label maybe thousand data points, mm. but a lot of the other ones are not right. How can you use a tech, an idea like snorkel, mm. which is using rule based uh, settings to arrive at weak supervision, mm. can you deploy active learning mm. to improve your models from there? Mm. Basically get to a stage from zero to maybe version three saying that, okay, now I have million data points. Mm. Let's see how can I use deep learning to necessarily solve that problem. You have to think that entire journey. Mm. And if, if you are a manager, somebody who is in a leadership position, I would say, how would you convince business mm. to show them a ROI very quickly? Maybe not even build a model. Don't do anything. See if there is a solution in the market, an mm. API, mm. which you can start using so that from tomorrow or day, or day after tomorrow, you can start showing the ROI. Let them see if, if this is what they really want. Mm. Right? Can you speak dual language? the language of machine learning, as well as the language of business. I think if, if you are a leader today in machine learning, that's an extremely important skill set. How mm. good are you in your storytelling? Mm. When you're presenting a model, if not just about the metric, mm. it's about presenting the larger vision, how you would go from V0 to V1 to V2 to V3, yet convince them to start using all of that right away. Mm. How are you going to weave that entire story? That, in my opinion, are some of the very important skill sets because 
the way you plan and execute a traditional software engineering project hmm. none of those ideas apply at all to machine learning <laughs> try and apply uh, a stand up items of engineering and data science simultaneously you will see how they completely break how agile does not work for data science at all wow and all of this is to be thought through from mm. first principles because not everything is out there necessary mm. as a ready made recipe for you mm. and there will these are like some of the primary reasons we have written the book so our book is not just for data scientists mm-hmm. it's also for a product manager for a vp mm. for a data science manager for mm. a sales guy also mm-hmm. to understand the space slightly better so that all of us together can make sure more number of models see the light of the day mm. that that as compared to uh, today because mm. that number as of today i think is very very abysmal in most most organizations absolutely i totally agree so many models are written and very small percentage goes to a production which is which which clearly shows there is so much waste going on and if your book can give some insights on you know eliminating that waste i mean that will be a very useful learning and i'm i'm definitely going to check out your book and maybe i can maybe i can do another another video uh, kind of reviewing your book with you i mean with your permission later uh, but uh, thank you very much uh, for your, for this conversation uh, if people have any questions uh, please post in a video comment below i will try to answer those and please uh, check out all the resources which we are going to mention in the video description uh, thank you anuj thank you so much travel it was a pleasure talking to you all the very best for your channel you're doing a fabulous job and i'm sure many many more people across the globe will greatly benefit from from the work work you are doing and thank you again for hosting me thank you thank you bye bye take care